Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. Today is March 13th, 2020. It is Friday the 13th. You are listening to the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. So from crystallinks.com, we have an article on Friday the 13th. So it says, the human emotional experience is often based on fear. The fear of Friday the 13th is called triophobia, and that's the fear of the number 13. Despite our well-developed brains, our complex technologies, and centuries of scientific progress, the human race remains a fearful, superstitious people from ancient times to modern-day prophecies and across all cultural divides. Friday the 13th superstitions originated in a Norse myth about 12 gods having a feast in Valhalla. The mischievous Loki crashed the party as an uninvited 13th guest and arranged for Hod, the blind god of darkness, to shoot Baldur, the god of joy and gladness, with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Baldur was killed and the earth was plunged into darkness and mourning as a result. Freya, later she was confused with a goddess Freya of love, Freya, who in turn became identified with Friday. When the Norsemen and Germanic tribes became Christians, Freya was supposed to have been banished to the mountains as a witch. Friday came to be called Witch's Sabbath. It was believed that on this day, each week, 12 witches and the devil met, 13 evil spirits in all. Some believe that the arrest of Jacques de Molay, Grandmaster of the Knights Templar, and 60 of his senior knights on Friday, October 13, 1307, by King Philip IV of France, is the origin of this superstition. That day, thousands of Templars were arrested and subsequently tortured. Then they confessed and were executed. From that day on, Friday the 13th was considered by followers of the Templars as an evil and unlucky day. The Knights Templars were created possibly by a group called the Priory of Sion. The treasures and secrets of these mystical organizations take us to the American continent and the Freemasons, who carry the energy signature of the creation of our reality with them. And you can see that in the founders starting with the 13 colonies. All right. So our next article is about Baltic amber, plant stone, and ancestral magic for pain and inflammation. This was written by Heron Michelle, March 7th of this year on pathios.com. It says, for easing of pain from inflammation, 
Baltic Amber could be your new holistic therapy best friend. Most of the time, Amber is approached like it's a stone, a magical ally from the mineral realms. Amber is a symbol of the solar god, solar planetary magic, and prized for its spiritual healing, energizing, and protection from the unseen. However, amber is actually a fossilized tree resin. Trees are the priests of the plant realm, and this sap formed the very lifeblood of ancient plant world. Those tree priests, which made amber, presided over the growing earth between 95 and 30 million years ago. Baltic amber brings a magical union of mineral and plant and ancestral medicine through time. It's prized for the fiery electric influence it has on the human energy system and as a psychic activator. Traditionally, amber and jet beads are worn by a necklace by a high priest or priestess as a reminder of our interconnection with both the living earth and the solar and lunar divine forces. Ancient Greek people Notice that when you rub a piece of amber over a cloth, static electricity is generated. The Greek word for amber was electron. Magically, amber remains electric and a living ambassador encoded with ancient earth wisdom. But that is just the tip of the magical amber iceberg. Baltic amber's therapeutic properties come from the high concentration of sesenic acid it contains. This acid makes up as much as 8% of the Baltic amber by weight and is the true gift of healing bestowed by this old mineral friend. So, what is Baltic amber exactly? Besides a solid stone-like substance offered fe often featured in ju healing jewelry, Baltic amber comes from extinct trees that grew once in the region surrounding the Baltic Sea in Europe, especially abundant in modern Lithuania. The resin found in these now extinct trees was a lot like confer, confer tree resin. The resinous fluid that eventually becomes amber is the tree's blood and what a tree uses to seal injuries in its skin and repair itself. The resin would have acted like a sealant by coursing down and through the limbs and trunk of a tree, sealing off cuts to protect the tree from harmful bacteria, fungus, and other threats to its livelihood. Let's just say that if a tree were a human, the trunk would be its epidermis and the resin would have served as a sticky band-aid. So right there, you find the very personality encoded into amber is one of sealing and healing the boundaries from the harm of microbial invaders. After these now extinct trees died and decomposed, they left their resin behind. Over time, the amber resin would become buried under the earth. For millions of years under pressure, it would eventually fossilize and change into the dense substance we now know as amber. Amber is between 30 and 95 million years old. Resins younger than that are softer and often called copal. So the medicine we find in the particular amber which we grew from these extinct trees in the Baltic region, then fossilized in soil of that particular environment, happen to have a high concentration of succinic acid, which is a natural part of many types of plants and animal tissues. In it is this medicinal plant, sorry, it is this medicinal constituent, which has been used in Europe as a natural antibiotic, anti-inflammatory treatment for pain and general curative for centuries. Even before mankind knew about microbial germs or the roles of micronutrients play in health, 
the ancient peoples of Europe recognized the amber had curative powers and used it like we'd use on an antibiotic today. Modern science now knows that the magic constituent is succinic acid and what that acid can do for human health. Modern science yet again confirms the folk wisdom Europe utilized for centuries. Succinic acid is very important to your body. It is used in the Krebs cycle, which is involved in the intermediary met metabolic process. Another name for the Krebs cycle is the citric acid cycle, a powerful antioxidant that helps fight toxic free radicals and disruptions of the cardiac rhythm. Succinic acid has been shown to stimulate neural system recovery and bolster the immune system and helps compensate for energy drain in the body and brain boosting awareness, concentration and reflexes, and reducing stress. Ancient European people wore jewelry of the Baltic amber, which washed upon the shores of the Baltic Sea. They also made medicines from powdered amber chips and stones. They applied amber oils to their skin to slow aging and cure sickness. Amber was burned as an incense to improve indoor air quality and repel insects like mosquitoes. We can thank the Dominican monk Albert the Great, born in 1193, for much of this information. He was the patron saint of the natural sciences, a doctor, an Aristotelian scholar, an alchemist said to have made the sorcerer's stone and believed in the occult properties of minerals. He also wrote extensively on astrology, which is pretty cool for a Catholic monk of that time. Albert called Baltic amber succinium and stated that it was the most effective of the leading medicines of the time. Amber tinctures were made from beer and wine. When the plagues of the Middle Ages devastated Europe, amber was used for fumigation, which helped because a high content of succinic acid remains in the smoke. It was reported that churchmen, most exposed to the smoke of amber fumigation in plague-struck areas, never contracted the illness. Succinic acid is now produced commercially and is approved for use by the United States Food and Drug Administration. There are many modern forms of usage. However, the easiest way to utilize healing properties of Baltic amber is to wear the stone against your skin in the form of a necklace or bracelet. Body heat encourages the release of the succinic acid from the amber, which is absorbed slowly and consistently through the skin and into your body's systems. There is most noticeably acts it most noticeably acts as an analgesic and anti-inflammatory, preventing the ills caused by our increasingly toxic environment. In the United States, this method of wearing Baltic amber healing jewelry became very popular with parents of babies over the past 20 years in the form of inf infant teething necklaces. These wee carefully knotted necklaces made for infants reduce the pain of teething, greatly reducing the tears and suffering of the little ones. With careful observation of the infant wearing the necklace while awake during the day for safety purposes, parents find the soothing effect to be miraculous. And I did recommend with my daughter having a baby on the way that she get an amber teething necklace. And I wear personally an amber bracelet that I find, I find very helpful. All right, so moving on to our next article, Six Ways to Clean Up Your Life with a Supermoon in Virgo. And this comes to us from mindbodygreen.com, and it is written by the Astro Twins, and it was written on March 8th of this year. 
It says living your best life now, March's full moon is a super moon, meaning it arrives at the closest possible proximity to planet Earth. While it might not appear larger to the naked eye, we may feel its stirring effects in a stranger, stronger dose. Since this lunation dovetails with the time of year when temperatures warm and roots begin to sprout through the soil, indigenous tribes in the northern hemisphere named this the full worm moon. And as you know, it was this past Monday. So we're a little behind with this article, but bear with me. It still has some good information. Speaking of getting rooted, Virgo is the sign of salubrious systems. Not living your best life, this analytical full moon can help you integrate all the changes stirred up during the full Leo snow moon a month ago. What came roaring in with Leo will get sorted and smoothed by Virgo, one methodical step at a time. Here are six ways to whip your life into shape under this potent super moon. Number one, become a clean green machine. The full moon will make it hard to ignore messy piles and overstuffed closets, and that's a good thing. Seize the opportunity to bring some much-needed order to your court. If you're one of the three people on the planet who's not heard the name Marie Kondo, Google the Japanese tidying expert now or check out her Netflix show. Her holistic approach to decluttering includes thinking every room before you clean it and letting it, keeping things that way that spark joy. Since Virgo is an earth sign, now's the time to incorporate more plant life into your decor scheme which can have the bonus effect of banishing some of those winter blues. If you have an emerald thumb and ample light, adopt a fiddly fig. Or how about an air-purifying ZZ plant or a Pachira aquatica, a.k.a. money tree, for attracting green in more ways than one. If you're looking for inspiration, we're huge fans of interiors with Justina Blakeney's site, The Jungalo, and wild at home author Hilton Carter, whose leafy Instagram feed makes us swoon. And whenever, whenever possible, use environmentally friendly cleaning products. Not only are you protecting the earth and our waterways from the chemical effects, but you're safeguarding yourself from absorbing harsh toxins through your pores. Number two, upcycle it. Waste not, want not. That's one of Virgo's favorite expressions. While you pull those rarely used numbers from your closet, some will fall into an obvious donation pile. But a few might leave you wondering, could this be used in a different way? Try a repurposing project this week. A lot like recycling, upcycling gives an object a new one. Our crafty crew of friends are masters of the upcycle. We've seen adorable baby cowboy boots used as flower pots a bike wheel turned into a wall clock, and a denim skirt made out of jeans with a ripped inseam. These projects don't take hours on end. All it takes is a creative sweep of your environment. Check out the Upcycle That blog for some mind-blowing ideas. Number three, break out of analysis paralysis. Procrastination is the enemy of progress, yet there's always a valid emotional experience going on underneath it all. Virgo's analytical powers can help you pierce the veil. Write down anything in your life you've been putting off. What's really stopping you? Maybe your heart isn't in it and you need to save the project for another time. Or maybe you simply don't know where to start. Try to identify these steps. First, mapping out a budget and figuring out where to find the funds or reading over some paperwork. Commit to moving the needle with this full moon. 
try to make this discovery process as comfortable as possible. Bring a notebook to a favorite cafe and write your master list while you nibble on a nourishing snack. Number four, ignite your digestive fire. Each sign is associated with a body part and Virgo rules the lower stomach and digestive system. Chew on this. Turning up your digestive fire can help you sleep better, prevent disease, and help your body use fuel, food as fuel the way it is intended to be. Digestion begins in the mouth, but with an on-the-go lifestyle, many of us inhale our food instead of mindfully breaking it down with our teeth. Use these molars and incisors. They are there for a purpose. Read up on gut health, too, and learn about why the gut is being called the second brain by some doctors and scientists. The key with this routine-loving Virgo moon is to repeat any chosen practice daily so that you can really feel its impact. This sign is ruled by mobile mercury, so check out app-based workouts to start your mornings. Since nervous Virgo energy can ramp up stress, swap the bottomless refills at the coffee pot for an afternoon matcha latte, or try a turmeric golden milk at night. Holistic treatments like massage and acupuncture can help realign your systems. Has it been a while since you saw your MD? Get those routine checks on the calendar if only to quell the rumblings of your inner hypochondriac. Number five, give the world service with a smile. Random acts of kindness, no matter how small, are de rigueur when the service-oriented Virgo full moon lights the skies. It's a little surprise that Mother Teresa was born under this benevolent star sign. In her words, we shall never know all the good that a simple smile can do. This is a wonderful reminder that there are plenty of ways to give that don't cost money or require copious amounts of time. Let this full moon inspire a sense of neighborly kindness as you flow through your days. Take a moment to thank people who are serving you, from the barista to the drugstore cashier. Make sure anything you toss winds up in the proper trash receptacle and not on the floor. Hold the door for the person coming in behind you. Offer to help someone struggling with bags to carry them up the steps. Let friends know the things that you appreciate about them. It matters. Number six, try a new word every day. This lunar spell stimulates our intellectual curiosity. There's no better week to research, gather data, and visual inspiration and get a jump on your income taxes. Plus, Brainiac Virgo flexes some serious vocab skills. Why say good when you can say superlative, unrivaled, or optimum? This full moon blesses us with the gift of gab this week, so take the challenge and wax poetic. Adopt a new word per day and use it as often as you can. You might even get your friends in on the fun. Imagine the nerdy approval ratings you'll get as you find ways to weave hemogenic, <laughs> hegemonic or feckless into a sentence. I can barely even say those. Seriously, and if you're already a word nerd, host a Scrabble night near the full moon and let the good times roll. All right, so our last article is Exploring Your Shadow with the Tarot. And this was written on pathos.com by Matt Oren on January 10th of last year. This post is inspired by the Fat Feminist Witch podcast. And that is done by a podcaster named Paige. And it says her podcast was quickly becoming one of my favorites. I was listening to her episode entitled Emotional 
Witchcraft, where she talks about emotional self-care and the shadow and discusses the book Light Magic for Dark Times, More Than 100 Spells, Rituals, and Practices for Coping in a Crisis by Lisa Marie Basil and Joanna DeVoe's Shadow Work Course. What really struck me about this episode was when Paige starts discussing the tarot, drawing parallels with exploring her own aspects of her shadow self with the Queen of Swords archetype. I can't believe I had never thought about that before. As I have discussed in this blog before, the shadow self, contrary to most people's understanding of it, is not necessarily completely negative aspects of ourselves. It can include empowering parts of ourselves that we're rejecting and suppressing out of either shame or fear. One of the main components of performing shadow work is not just to acknowledge and then try to fight or conquer the shadow, but rather to repurpose it as something that assists you so that you're no longer rejecting an aspect of yourself, but rather giving it a healthier role within your psyche and life. This is a task that many people struggle with. Many people get to the point or identifying aspects of their shadows, but are unsure about what to do next or how they can give it a different role. The elements that we feel shame around or suppress are often elements of primordial human consciousness that serve certain purposes. Seductiveness, manipulation, obsession with power, vanity, the impulse for domination, envy, etc. These aspects may seem repugnant to us and we may wish to push them away from ourselves, but they have developed as means of getting our needs met. We can learn from them by releasing shame around them, seeking the core lesson within them, accepting them, and figuring out how to manifest them in ways that are actually helping ourselves and others. So, for example, let's say someone has a shadow obsession with vanity. They may overly fixate on their physical form or criticize others unconsciously. But if they could learn to see the core of that shadow element, that there is beauty within us waiting to be unlocked and expressed, then they could see that their fear is actually wrapped around something quite exquisite. And then perhaps they could use the gift of that lesson not to neurotically exert control over their own physical form or police others, but to beautify themselves and the world with love, says Sarah Lynn Bowman, PhD. Integrating the shadow self. This is why the tarot is absolutely brilliant as a start. The tarot contains 16 archetypes ready to be explored, the court cards. Each court card embodies both positive and negative traits for the same archetypical character, or rather healthy and unhealthy expressions of that core energy. By exploring the tarot court cards in this manner, you can kill two birds with one stone. You gain a deeper understanding connection with the court cards, which are usually a tarot reader's biggest struggle, as well as help heal and integrate your shadow in a healthy manner. Take out the six court cards and set them aside and shuffle them. I suggest drawing one card a month since shadow work is something that should be explored slowly and in depth. Spend that month exploring the card. Research the positive and negative meanings of that card's court archetype. Even if you're a tarot master, sometimes someone someone else will frame a meaning of a card that will switch on the epiphany light bulb over your head. Think about the unhealthy and unbalanced aspects of that card. Think about how who you know that embodies that energy, both within your life and fictional characters. Think about how you embody those negative traits. Also think about the positive aspects of that card's traits when they're being used in a healthy manner. 
Repeat the same process of thinking about others that embody this as well as ways that you embody as ways that you embody this. Meditate on how you can reframe and repurpose those aspects of this archetypal energy within your own life so that it's serving a healthy and balanced expression. Spend time dialoguing with this part of the shadow to create allies out of the aspects of yourself you've marginalized to the shadows of your consciousness. Keep a record of your thoughts and exploration in a journal and see how much you can uncover about yourself. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, please have a wonderful day. Blessings to you all and namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by From Ashes We Rise To.com, where you can get wellness coaching using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted, custom blended, organic, non-GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand-poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at fromasheswerise2.com. That's fromasheswerise with the number 2.com to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.